I'd love to um, uh, speak to you today a little bit about some of the things that you may have heard. A little bit about what baptism is. Uh, a little bit about what faith in Jesus might look like. Um, and what I'd love to do is look at uh, the person who kind of got the whole baptism thing going in the first place, a guy called John the Baptist. He was known as the one who baptizes people. We're going to look at a passage in the Bible. So if you'd like to turn to it on your phone uh, or in your Bible, you're very welcome to. It's John chapter 1, and we're going to be uh, starting at verse 14. Uh, John chapter 1, starting at verse 14 and then jumping on to verse 18. Uh, John chapter 1, Verse 14, it will come up on the screens as well if you'd like to follow it there. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany at the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the year 1977, the year that Elvis died, if indeed he did, There were 150 registered Elvis impersonators. By the year 2000, that number had grown to 85,000 registered Elvis impersonators around the world. And at the time, statisticians projected forward at this growth rate, they predicted by the year 2022, one in three people in the world would be an Elvis impersonator. So that means that most likely, if that stat is right, someone next to you is an Elvis impersonator. Why don't you turn around to someone and say, are you an Elvis impersonator? <laughs> Have we got any Elvis impersonators? One. Great. <laughs> Are you registered? No, I don't think you've registered. Okay, so um, I don't think that stat quite worked out, did it? But it's interesting. People love to impersonate their heroes. It's always happened. And actually, in the first century, it wasn't so much pop stars that people impersonated, but the great heroes of the faith, Moses, Elijah. 
And so John the Baptist was one of those people that many other people thought, well, who are you trying to impersonate? You, you've got all the credentials. You go and preach great sermons. You talk about people turning from away from bad stuff towards holy life, towards God. Who are you trying to be like? That's the question that they ask him. They say, are you Elijah? He says, no. Are you Moses, the prophet? No. Are you the Messiah, the one that we've waited for, for ages to liberate us, to give us leadership, to send us into a new, uh, wonderful future? He says, no, I'm none of those people. But then he says, but I tell you, I know someone who is Jesus. Jesus walks by and he says, look over there. Jesus, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So who is Jesus? You might be here thinking, why on earth are people talking about Jesus 2,000 years later? I mean, maybe you're sort of listening to John's account. And, you know, why did he give up his preaching career to follow someone else? Why have people followed Jesus for the last 2,000 years? Why have Jack and Lauren and Daniel and Rachel and Brie and Ali decided to follow Jesus today? Why does it matter? Does it matter? Uh, C.S. Lewis, the, the author of the Narnia stories, a Cambridge professor, once said these words, uh, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. If true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. In other words, this is a really important question. Who is Jesus? Is he worth following? as everyone we've heard about today has talked about. Why follow Jesus? Well, three things I'd love to let you think about tonight. Firstly, Jesus is worth following because he is full of truth. Full of truth. John, the writer of this gospel, says this. He says, we've seen the glory of the one and only Son, Jesus, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus' teaching has widely been recognized as among the greatest teaching ever to fall from human lips. Uh, his teaching is the foundation, in fact, of most of our law in the West and society. Most of our laws are based on it. We've advanced in almost every area of science and technology, and yet in 2,000 years, no one has ever improved on the moral teaching of Jesus Christ. We live in a post-truth society where we're suspicious of truth claims, and rightly so, because they are often an excuse for dominance, coercion, power play. Most religious teachers are humble enough to say, it's not about me. They say, look over there, do this and do that, and you will find a great way to live. But Jesus, who exemplified humanity, said, uh, humility, I should say, who exemplified humility, pointed to himself. He said, I am the truth. How do we reconcile this strong truth claim with the humility and the character we see in Jesus. 
there was an exclusivity to his claims. The Apostle John puts it like this, no one's ever seen God, but the one and only Son has revealed God to us. Jesus, in other words, in the words of Chesney Hawks, was the one and only, I am the one and only Savior. Now, we've all got some funny ideas about Jesus. My son Barney is four years old. And uh, the other day he said, Daddy, did you know that Jesus is the tallest person who ever lived? (laughs) I said, oh, okay. He said, and he's also the widest. I was like, okay, okay. He thinks being tall and wide is really important and Jesus is the best of all of them. The other day he said to me, um, uh, he scribbled something on his blackboard and I said, well, what on earth is that? And he said, oh, that's snake Jesus. I said, who's snake Jesus? He said, oh, it's the best of all the snakes. Is snake Jesus. He's also then talked about um, bunny Jesus and bear Jesus as well. Anyway, he's a little bit confused. There is only one Jesus. And that is the claim of the New Testament, that Jesus is full of truth. Know the truth, Jesus said, and it will set you free. In other words, know me and I will set you free. That's what we heard about in some people's testimonies today. Jesus is full of truth. Secondly, Jesus is full of grace. John says he was full of grace and truth. Anyone can make a claim to truth, but uh, their actions often don't back it up. We see that in leadership over and over again. But Jesus uniquely both claimed to be the truth, but lived an exemplary life, a life of grace. Grace is unmerited favor, undeserved kindness, unconditional love. Love is weak unless it's strengthened by truth, but truth is hard unless it's softened by love. Jesus had both love and truth. And the character of Jesus has impressed millions of people who wouldn't call themselves Christians. Uh, He was someone who exemplified supreme unselfishness, but never self-pity. Humility, but not weakness. Joy, but never at someone else's expense. Kindness, but not indulgence. And it's said that our character is most tested when we're in pain or under pressure. And Jesus, as he was being flogged, said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Jesus spent his time with the marginalized, the outcasts, the lepers, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, those who are on the outside. How could someone with such amazing truth teaching uh, and yet such grace and mercy to individuals, how could he be described? Well, Jesus said, I am not just the truth. He said, I am the way and the truth. In other words, I am the way to relationship with God. I'm the way to restoration with your creator. And that's why when John the Baptist spots him, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sin is all the stuff that gets in the way of us and our relationships, our bad choices, our missteps, our regrets, all that stuff that gets in between us and God. Jesus said, I want to take that away. I want to give you a fresh start. That's what baptism was all about today. A new beginning, a blank slate. Jesus is 
full of grace for you. If you feel like you've mucked up, you've ruined things, you have regrets about the past, Jesus says, I want to take those regrets. I want to clean you up, set you off again, and we'll do life together this time. Jesus is full of truth and grace. He understands you. So, Jesus is full of truth and grace. Thirdly and lastly, Jesus is full of life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And life is so precious. You don't need me to tell you that. It's the most precious, precious thing we have. Death is so tragic because it steals life from us. And if you've lost a loved one, you'll know that. My father, nine years ago, uh, last week, died, uh, and it was after eight years of dementia. The hardest thing that we've been through as a family, the hardest thing I've had to face is losing him. Death seems so wrong. Disease seems so wrong. Feels like it's stealing life away. That's how I felt. And yet, St. Paul, this is what I read while I was at my father's bedside as he was dying. St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God, because he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What he's saying is that Jesus is not just life now, but there is life to come. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that what we celebrate at Easter, is the turning point in history. Because my father, we buried him in the ground. Death looks so final, and it is final, unless Jesus rose from the dead. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, it means death has been defeated, as we were singing earlier. Where is your sting, O death? There is no sting anymore. Because death is defeated, the king is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus has gone beyond death to secure a place for us. So we don't have to fear death anymore. Yes, we're sad, but there is hope. There's hope beyond this life, but there's also hope for this life. And that is what Jesus offers. Not just pie in the sky when you die, but something real to experience today. Wasn't it amazing to hear these people who come to be baptized today talk about the difference that Jesus has made now. Dealing with fear. We all face fear. Dealing with regret. We all face regret. Jesus wants to help in each of those areas. And in this water, it symbolizes dying and rising to new life. It symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And Jesus doesn't leave us on our own. He comes to us. He helps us. John says this, I baptize you with water But there is one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' presence with us now. So the promise of Jesus for each of us is to know the truth, to know him personally, to know grace and forgiveness for all that has gone before, and to know life, life in all its fullness. It doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. In fact, being a Christian is really hard. If you're thinking about becoming a Christian because you think you'll have an easy life, don't do it. It's really hard. Don't do it. But if you want life in all its fullness, life 
in technicolor, life as God intended it to be, then Jesus is the one to follow. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, don't take my word for it. Don't take just the words of those who've shared their stories for it. Don't take John the Baptist's story. Don't take anyone else's. Go on your own journey of faith. That's my encouragement. Wherever you are, maybe you don't believe in God at all. You think this is a load of rubbish. My question is, do you just, why don't you give it just a little shot? Why don't you explore? You've got nothing to lose. Maybe you're, a bit, you're thinking, well, I think there is something. Why don't you explore Jesus and find out more about him? The offer is there. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. Jesus wants to welcome you in to a relationship with him. Will you let him? Amen. Let's pray. And I'd love to encourage you just to, if you wouldn't mind, just to close your eyes and we're just going to pray as we close. And I'd love to pray a prayer right now for anyone who's thinking, you know what? I'm interested. I, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'd love to know a bit more. Maybe you feel like you've drifted away from God and Today, what you've heard has made you think, I, I want to know that for myself. I want to know Jesus for myself. I'd love to pray a prayer now that you can pray in your heart if you'd like to. There may just be one person here tonight, but you think, I'd love to pray that prayer. I'd love to know Jesus in my life. And you can just echo these words in your heart between you and God. Jesus, thank you that you are full of grace and truth. And thank you that you love me. And today I turn away from all the stuff in the past. I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong. If anything comes to mind, just say sorry for that. And now I turn towards you, Jesus. I invite you into my heart. Please come into my life now by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. In Jesus' name, amen.